Hey y'all, it's Paul. And Tramina. And welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Hey! Welcome back. So how you bossing? Um, I am good. It is the start of the last month of the year, so that's nice. Um, it's time to like for me to sit back and look at some goals and see what I accomplished and see what I can possibly eke in for the rest of the year and then start to plan and get ready for next year. So it's been good. Work has been a tinge hellacious. Um, while I am grateful and trying to certainly practice gratitude, there's some things that I am finding it difficult to be grateful for. Um, and then I got paid and I was like, oh, okay, now I am grateful. Um, so I have to sometimes remember like, okay, there's a check at the end of this, uh, rough road. Um, so overall I'm pretty good. How you bossin? Hmm. Yeah, that's so well thought out. I'm just trying to race to the end of this year. <laughs> I just want this year to be over. But yeah, it's the last month. It's kind of bittersweet in a way. I I don't really start reflecting until I get on vacation. Mm. Um, I just need to get through a lot of deadlines. And luckily, uh, in the past like four years, I've been able to have a, a long vacation between December and January. Mm. And that's when I really have time to reflect is when I have a peace of mind. The reflection part is very important to me, but I don't really... Um, I don't really look at goals so much in terms of my life, maybe at work, but um, I, it, it's kind of just, I focus more on what I'm satisfied with, like mm. what I achieved versus for some reason the setting the goals uh, reminds me more of what I haven't done. And that's okay. I need to remind mm. myself what I haven't done, but I like just reflecting and saying, wow, I did all of this. Right. But I'm not there yet. It, it, it yeah. just got to December, but uh, yeah, I just need to get through these next couple of weeks. Thanksgiving is always a tease. Um, I, I took an extended break um, a couple days, or no, just a day to make my vacation longer. Had a great time. And then it's always hard getting back to work after that mini vacation. So, But I'm doing all right. And uh, ooh, I'm, yeah, I'm just looking forward to my Mexico vacation in December. You're funny. Well, I'm staying fairly local within the state, but I'm looking forward to goal setting. I can't help I can't help it, but I mean thankfully I'm I work to achieve goals and they're typically fun goals or like things that challenge me, but yeah, it'll be good. It'll be certainly a feel like a sprint, but also like a marathon, uh, to get through at least uh Christmas Eve. That's kind of what I'm or maybe the twenty third because Christmas Eve is on a Saturday. So I'm hoping that we get the twenty third all the way off. All right. So I'm like, okay, there's 22 days left because today is basically, you know, done. Do you think like when the ball drops or when you're doing the countdown, will it be like the Y2K again where, you know, oop, this is when Trump's, Trump becomes president? <laughs> or no, like maybe not on January 1st. Yeah, I was like, like no, we've got more the time. the actual day that everything turns over once the inauguration? The 20th? The 20th. Okay, I think that will be the day where it's like, as soon as, you know, Ivanka's dad says the last word of the oath, it's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to be like covering our faces. That's going to be like explodes. a majority of the country. We're going to be like, okay, well. Countdown. Five. Yeah. Four. Do I pack now? Three. Yeah. Um, but yeah. This will be the first one I'm sure that I won't have watched. I won't watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Uh, first of all, I don't have live TV. But. I won't well, be making any sort of effort. streaming on the internet these yeah, days, I don't, like YouTube. Yeah, I have to find it, and it's too much. It's going to be on the homepage. Um, but yeah, I won't be watching that at all. 
So, got to figure out something else to do as an alternative. Ugh, who's going to sing for them? I heard they've been difficulty It'll probably be that. that, like, mofo. I was about to name somebody, but that would be giving that person a tinge of power. But he ain't shit no way, Ted Nugent. I don't know what he sings or what he does, but he's always, whenever I see him is associated with some racist stuff. So, I'm like, uh, that would seem appropriate for this mm. uh, thing that's going to happen in January. Ooh, that almost gave me a headache. Mm, but yeah, I keep seeing people like, and they turn down. The nerve of, you know, somebody to ask them based on like the platform that was run on. But it, we're getting into the thing again. So yeah, I know. <laughs> it's too easy to like jump there. I'm like, there's so much to work with. train wreck in the morning i'm a bitch in the afternoon i was not ready i was so not ready every now and then without warning i can be really mean okay. towards you yeah i wasn't ready just so i don't know, know. <laughs> i wasn't ready i thought you were gonna start talking and that's why i was like hmm. hey guys we're back Okay, yes. So, if you don't know what that song is, which you should. You should stop listening now if you don't know what that song is or who sang it. But, um, yeah. I digress. Our topic um, today is about flaws, being beautifully, beautifully flawed, being flawless. I don't yeah. know. Beyonce talks about it a lot, you know. Yes. In her song, Flaws and All. Yeah. Ergo, it's flawless. <laughs> and flawless, right? Uh, it's been a topic on my mind recently um, as I just try to move through this world, getting older, every year goes by, every month goes by, whatnot. Uh, and this topic is really heavy for me because when I see how I relate to other people, uh, how people view me, how I define the success of my relationships to people, whether that's family, friends, or intimate relationships. I I keep having to remind myself to like own me and do me, but it's always hard. Like I'm always going to be really hard on myself because this, there are certain things that I'm trying to get rid of, so mm -hmm, to speak. Mm -hmm. But then I have this other voice speaking to me saying that these are the things that make you you. Yeah, like why are you trying to get rid of those things? But when I go through a breakup or when uh, I a friendship or something, it really hurts when they call out that flaw. It's like, wait. Like you're using it against me You're now. using it against me. Uh, how am I supposed to really own it? So yeah. I don't know. I, I just kind of rambled a little bit there, but... Uh, that that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think the idea of uh, like owning the flaw piece is interesting. I I too find I can find it challenging um, because there's this like air that that I feel like I'm supposed to be like polished and put together, and like I shouldn't like no one should know my flaws. Like, what are flaws? Um, and so I have to, sometimes I find myself really hard, working really hard to like cover those up and not let them show. And then some of it depends on like who the friends I'm around or the family members 
um, I'm around and how those flaws show up or if they don't, or if I'm trying hard to like not show them because that's not what people expect of me, which is expectations is a whole nother damn thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's certainly like right now as the holidays come up and like being spending more time with family and probably more time with friends, I think maybe are the times where I, I start to notice that a little bit more because it's like I have my life here and then I go back to like what quote unquote home um, to people who knew me before like I had this role and like I had moved away and I was younger and so sometimes it's like I'm flawed in different ways and they just didn't see those things or they may view like who I am now as you know having flaws in it. and I'm like no like these are the things that I embrace you know right so. that's oh that's really interesting I think about I, oh, I hate saying this, but I kind of change a little bit when I go back home and I see yeah. not just my mom, but uh, folks from high school or college. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not a bad person now. There's nothing to hide when I go back, but there are certain traits I think that I felt ashamed of being younger, but I was younger and it shouldn't matter. You know, I'm going to ask you give me one of them, but go ahead. Wait, hold on. <laughs> um... Yeah, and I, I kind of uh, pretend to be this, okay, for example, like in high school, um, I don't know why, and I, I only have a few high school friends that I probably see every once in a while, I'm not really close to everyone from high school, but uh, there's this, oh, but also too, my 10-year reunion is coming up next year, this is going to be a huge challenge where I see everyone, even the acquaintances. Oh, 10 years. Oh, God. But, <laughs> Multiply that by two. Uh, okay, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you just made yourself old. Uh, I don't consider myself old between you, so. Uh, yeah, I, there's this... Oh, gosh, this uppity air that I, <laughs> you know, I, I just want to let people know that I'm very well off and I proved you wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think that's, I feel like a lot of people are like in that space, especially now because you're going back to people that you don't, like you see once in a great while. Yeah. Um, if ever. Uh, that's funny because I think about like who I was in high school. I didn't even know who the hell I was in high school. Um... I was pretty, like, I was a loner. Like, I would think if I saw, like, people in high school, like, when I go home in a few weeks, like, I wouldn't even really know what to say because I didn't know who I was in high school. So there, people didn't know who I was either. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure I was still a smart ass in high school. I didn't say probably as much and do as much because, like, I was kind of a loner. I wasn't popular um, I played basketball year round and I kind of kept to myself. I read a lot. Like this sound, this sounds so woe is me, but I liked me, but I didn't really know who I was. So I don't even know if I could like give an air of anything. You know, like when I go back, like <laughs> they'd be like, who are you? And I was like, well, you didn't know me then and neither did I. Your description of yourself uh, being younger kind of makes me now remember what I viewed as my flaw back then. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone, I was pretty well, well respected in my high school, but I was definitely more of a loner. I kind of kept to myself. I didn't really socialize. And I think that's what people somewhat criticized about me is that, um, I would never like go to whatever parties were happening over the weekend or go to visit people after school. Like my mentality is like, I see you all day at school. Why do I gotta see you again? You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to go home, get some food, whatever. Um, 
and that socializing part with friends, um, because actually my friends were actually uh, family friends, not strangers. (laughs) I'm calling them strangers. But yeah, they were strangers from school. And that actual socialization into like a friend group didn't really happen for me until college. So I think going back is they might have viewed me as socially inept, which that's not true. But I think I go back and I may, I may prove them wrong by overcompensating for okay. that a little bit. Okay. Uh, and it will, I, I will try to keep myself in check when I go back to this 10-year reunion. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting when I go back home with my family, especially too, I, I'm just this, like, I, I hide all personality. When I'm in front of my mom, I, I'm definitely not the same person hmm. when I'm with my friends. Okay. Well, as you talk about, like, friends in high school, like, again, I said, I was kind of, um, I was a loner, so, and I read a lot, and I didn't, like, hang, like, I didn't go to parties, like, I wasn't in the crew that, uh, I'm sure nobody even invited me to a party, so I was like, okay, whatever, how was I going to get there, the bus? Because um, <laughs> I didn't have a car, <laughs> so, like, that makes no sense, um, and for, like, probably most of high school, I lived kind of in the hood, so people weren't really trying to drive over there to get me anyway, uh, but yeah, um, my 20 year reunion is coming up next year. Um, and I may actually go depending on the date and when it falls, I may go. Cause I hadn't, I haven't been to any reunions cause I'm like, I wasn't super close with people. Like I had a best friend in high school and she and I, you know, chat every now and again on Facebook. Um, but, and I have high school friends who live in the Bay area and I know they live here. Uh, but that doesn't mean, uh, and I use the term friend very loosely, um, like I could name them that live here, but I'm not like trying to go see anybody or like hang out. Cause like, what the hell are we going to talk about after 20 years? I haven't talked to you in 20 years. And all of a sudden I'd be like, Hey girl, such and such. Um, but even when you talked about going home, uh, I am probably more reserved when I go home, uh, to see my family. Uh, and, and I'm thinking when I'm with my mom, like I don't curse in front of my mom. Like every now and again, I may slip up and say hell, but there's just something about, like, I don't curse in front of my mom. Like, she would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, she would curse at me. But, <laughs> right, uh, the double standard. Yeah, but I, wouldn't, I just wouldn't do that in front of her. Right. And, yeah, I, I'm also the youngest. As a dynamic to that. And I don't live close to home. Whereas, you know, my brother and sister both live um, close to home, um, close to where we grew up. But, yeah, it is, it's, it's a different dynamic. And it's certainly, there's a level of, like, stress if you will mm-hmm. and I do feel like there's a like there's a bit of me fronting or whatever because I have like quote unquote maybe like a glamorous life because I live I live far away I live in a major city um uh my job has a lot of responsibilities and like there's a lot of shit that goes with it so I feel like I have to be like you know a little bit more polished if you could see me now I'm like moving my shoulders <laughs> yeah like you are straight up but like I feel like I have to do that to prove something and I'm like yeah. I'm like who am I proving this to like I get my check I work for this like you know what am I trying to prove and who am I trying to prove it to so in a similar way like I I second everything you said about how you interact with at home with your family uh, on top of that. There are, you know, I I grew up in a religious household, and I also come from an immigrant family, and I think a lot of uh, people out there who have immigrant parents is, there's a lot of things we do socially here that just does not make sense, and growing up, the reason, one part of the reason why I didn't socialize with friends a lot was 
it was just not within my culture to uh, do certain things. So, like, even something as simple as, um, like, going to a, um, oh, <laughs> like, sleepover. That was, like, oh. a very strange concept to my, my mom. She's <laughs> like, you have, have a, a bed, bed. here. <laughs> Why do you want to go bother other people's parents and sleep over their house, right? And there are other examples like that growing up. And now... Uh, I choose what to tell my mom about, like, my social culture. Mm-hmm. For, for some reason, I was so scared to tell my mom that I am going to uh, Europe for a vacation. Okay. Because I n- know what her response would be, and for some reason, the idea of travel is very strange to her. And I think part of it is she could never afford to do that as mm-hmm. a luxury. Mm-hmm. And I could at the time... Um, and I think there was this element of, I didn't want my mom to feel a certain way about that. So I kind of yeah. kept that social activity away mm-hmm. or even something as simple as going out with drinking. I'm, oh my way, gosh. I'm way above the drinking age. And even <laughs> when I w- did turn 21, I never told my mom cause there was one instance, I think a late college about to graduate. And I did, I told her about like going to a bar and she was like, you drink? Yeah. Like, well, you know what? Judgy. That might be a black thing, to be real <laughs> honest. Like, even now, like, I'm twice, almost twice the drinking age. I'm not that far away. Um, even now, my mom will be like, oh, you're going to get drunk. And I'm like, you know, I said I had, like, a martini. Like, really? <laughs> or, like, I'll go to her house and, like, my sister and I, I may have, like, a bottle of wine or something. Or, like, we'll buy some wine and put it in the fridge. And she like... Oh, y'all in here drinking and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> like, first of all, I'm not turning up because this is basically like Boone's but, uh, or Arbor Mist. But she was like, and that's part of the religion thing too. The religion, but, but yeah. But I think the black thing is also like the sleepover. She was like, why? I don't know these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly nobody's coming to sleep over my damn house. Um. Right. So I finally get old enough to enjoy these things. And I know by growing up how my mom's going to respond. So... Mm-hmm. There's this, that's part of the, like, being in front of her, and I don't view them as flaws, but I guess yeah. she views them as flaws, and yeah. if she views them as flaws, then I, then I'm flawed, right? Because yeah, right. my mom. Yeah, she and told me that, I want, so. I, I want to be, I guess, this concept of flawless yeah. with, in front of my mom. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're going to have to totally do a, a thing, like a mom episode or something. Should, yeah, this uh, is like the second or third time we talked about Yeah, like, like we're going to have to do something about parents that. Parents um, yeah. Because my mom is like slick times 10 of me. So think of me like to the nth degree. And she's like almost 70, so she talks all the shit um, <laughs> to one's face. And it's like, like basically like, what you going to say? Um, and I love her to death. So, um, but yeah, I think there's a, I think in terms of flaws, I think about... Uh, and I have tons of flaws, so there's no shortage of me being like, oh, I can't think of any flaws, because that's a lie. Um, but I know that one that I try to work on is that, um, and I recognize it in myself, like every time it happens, that I can be um, annoyingly objective. And I know that sounds weird, because I, I do it in work, certainly, but I also do it like in not work. Like I will be, in my mind, I am quick to see in my mind, I don't always say this out loud because most people get annoyed and they roll their eyes. They're like, bitch, just be on my side. Um, I immediately see both sides of something, like the quote-unquote good and the bad. And 
And some people are just like, I just want you to empathize and like hear what I'm saying and be here and not give me the like, well, the objective, like emotionless answer is this, you know? <laughs> uh, and so I know that I do that all the time. Um, and so it kind of feels flawed because people don't really respond to that. Like, I'm like, I'm trying to be objective here. Like, you wanted my opinion, so I'm giving you an objective opinion. Like, damn your feelings. And it's not really helpful. <laughs> it's almost never helpful. Um, but my mind goes to this, like, really objective place. And so I have to work really hard. Not really hard. I have to work to keep that stuff to myself. And I don't know. I don't know that it's a flaw in, the, like, the technical definition of a flaw. But it's certainly something I have to be mindful of. Because people are like, I can't talk to this bitch. She's going to give me the, like like the real answer and I just want like the friend answer and so sometimes I have to remember to, that I need to show up for my friends in that way not like supporting a wrongness like if they're like butt-ass wrong I'm not gonna be like yeah uh-huh you right uh but knowing sometimes like keep things to yourself Shamina not everyone needs to know that side or like maybe you can talk about the the objective side a little bit later that doesn't have to be the first thought that comes to your mind I think <laughs> more than anyone friends hate Yes. The, the objective piece. They yes. just, they want feelings. Yeah. They want to know how you feel, not the objective standpoint. Yeah. And, and I'm like, this is Be on feelings. their side. Yeah. You, you wanted an opinion. Like, it sounds like you want an answer. And I am, yeah. I have some people uh, that n no matter how you're in a relationship with them, they're just always that objective person. Like, it's like you're talking to someone at work, like your supervisor. Mm -hmm. And they just want you to be <laughs> their friend. And just yeah. Tell, you know? I can but be that friend. I had a conversation, you know, this, like, tipsy conversation with two, a friend of a friend and then a friend. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know how this conversation came up, but he has a similar personality in you in terms of he thinks everything has an objective, uh, or not objective, but a logical explanation. Mm -hmm. Everything, right? And even if you're talking about experiential things... There's a logistical reason. And I told him, I'm a little bit of a hippie. Like, I, I'm i very left brain. I do believe, like, there's logic to a lot of things. But as I've developed, I, uh, I used to be too left brain, um, mm -hmm. especially in school. I'm a little bit more right brained, and now that's developing more. I'm becoming a little bit more hippie. And I do believe that some things don't need an answer, or some things don't have an answer. And sometimes you have to go off of feelings and not based off of a logical answer. And that was so difficult for him to understand. Like, he was mm -hmm. just, like, completely um, said no. And I called him out a little bit, and I said, you know, you might believe that now, but I strongly believe that in your lifetime you're going to be challenged with that expl mm -hmm. explanation because I think that's gonna, that's one of your flaws. I actually mm -hmm. used that word. I said, I think that might be one of your flaws, and you it, you might be riding the wave. You might be good, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited for when that wrench gets thrown in the system and it's going to change your world for the better. Yeah. It's also a very Virgo thing to be. If you think of Virgo, I don't know how many Virgos you know. And I mostly know, like, if I know people that are Virgos, then I'm like, those are my people. Like, we're similar in a lot, mm. lot of ways. Um, I'll ask him what his, what his birthday yeah, is. Um, but yeah. I, I can be one of those people. So I have to, I have to be mindful of that um, in friendships and family relationships. Um, so Yeah. Woo, that felt, okay. Right, right. So... Do you want to share one, Paul? Because that was a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess I, I should share my flaw. Only one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one. My one singular, you know, that's I'm it. pretty good up in here. I was like, I have a list. God's treating me like, well. 
Um, oh gosh. It's hard to think. I, I can name flaws from the past that I've worked on. Um, let me start there because then it might help me think of, I didn't prepare for this. Um, it might help me think of a current flaw. Um, but a past flaw that I've had that was really hard in terms of relationships with people is, um, and oh. if you can't think of one, I've got another one for myself. Apparently, okay. I'm feeling vulnerable out there, too. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to say you have one for me. I'm like, girl. No. <laughs> I'll let you come <laughs> so with uh, Actually, no, I kind of just thought of one that's now. I think sometimes I can press my opinion on people too much or make an opinion for them. Okay. Uh, I, I do that a lot. Even, uh, it could be something as uh, complicated as... Uh, we're having a conversation about social justice and I just, because I'm uh, a person that used to not have room to speak up and now I have a platform to speak up, mm -hmm. I might speak up too much and take up uh, that other person's point of view and not make room for something opposing or slightly off from what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, or it could be as simple as, um, let's say you, I want to do something and you don't want to do it, but I like will stress you want to do it too. Right. Or <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like, I if just, they can see the look that you get like, you want to do it. Too. You want to do it. Uh, like, um, you know, uh, bananas are good for you. I'm going to eat a banana here. Eat a banana. You're adamantly saying, I just don't want to eat the fucking banana, but I'm like stressing, like eat it. It's good for you. Like I read this in 5,000 articles, like it's proven <laughs> that it's good for you. So eat it. Like I sometimes don't know how to stop. <laughs> um, and that comes out most evident in um, people I care about or um, someone that I'm dating. Like I just, um, I kind of control them a little bit in that regards. Like, Mm. My 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 values are your values. They're good for you. Yeah, these, are were, these are ours. These are ours. So, um, and I learn something new every time I date someone or uh, am in a very caring friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought of another one of mine. By the way, I hate, I don't even like the smell of bananas. Um, I don't like fruit, first of all, um, and I don't eat fruit, but uh, especially bananas because they smell so loud. So that's funny that you said the banana thing. Um, I, uh, what the hell is this? I'm like feeling free. I'm like, oh, here's another flaw. <laughs> You're um, going to get to really know us, y'all. Right? <laughs> um, chime in, email us with your flaws or ask us about ours. Um, I think another one of mine is, I don't think, I know another one of mine is I give answers. Like if someone comes to me and they're like having an emotional response to something and they're asking a question and it may be like a rhetorical question or like, let me put it out in the universe and I'll be like, well, here's the answer. I'm, and I'm, that's part of the objective part of like, well, here's the answer. Like not like asking you questions about it. And I'm, I've gotten a lot better about doing that because it's been brought to my attention several times. Um, so I work to not give answers and to sit in kind of like messy spaces with people and just let them feel or talk or just ask questions or just be present for them, which is hard. Because my thing is like, well, here's the answer. I just told you the answer. If you just do what I said, like this is the answer. You ask the question, here's the answer. What is, wipe your tears. Um, which is fairly insensitive. It's quite insensitive. I'm smiling to... just because you totally do that. But yes. I never really saw that as a flaw from my end because I used to work indirectly 
um, to you or report indirectly to you. And I actually, I respected you. You were my mentor in a little way. And uh, because uh-huh. the Thanks, first Mom. the first two answers you gave me were good answers, I kind of always would come to you, even our, in our friendship with answers. <laughs> don't let your head get too big because I know that other people don't yeah. always need an answer. No, they don't. But um, it's funny how you view that as a flaw, but in our relationship, that was helpful for, helpful to me. Oh, and it wasn't good. a flaw. Yeah. Well, I think you and I are similar in ways and even how um, I think we can be reserved. I'm labeling you. I can be certainly reserved with my emotion. And I, I don't save it up and like then all of a sudden spill it out. But like I am reserved in my emotion. And like if I cry, I'm crying about something that's really meaningful. And I'm typically not doing it in front of a group or anything like that or choking up or, you know, and whatnot. But yeah, for the friends that I have that have that they have a, a different grasp on how they live emotion and how they share it and how um, it breathes through them. Like I can be frustrating because I am an answer like I don't know why this person did X, Y, and Z. They did it because one, two, three. Like this, let me tell you. What they, let me tell you how they did it and why they did it and what you need to do to combat that. And here, let me just write the email for you. Go ahead and send this, and then you know. So I'm like, I'm an answer person. So it certainly works for like a majority of my friends. It works for because like I people I tend to be around people who are like me or like have similar characteristics in some ways. Um, but I also obviously have a, a range of friendships and relationships. Um, that are people who feel and ha- and are in, like in tune with those kind of emotional pieces, and sometimes like I wish I had more of that, um, but I can I can be kind of wound tight and like my answer, mm-hmm. and I'm like I have given you the answer, like what the hell? What more do you want from me, my soul? Um, so. <laughs> Sing to me, <laughs> right? Okay, I'm gonna say. <laughs> that's not Ariel. Ursula. Yeah, oh, I was right, like right. it's one of those. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, so. Where do you think, besides personality, where okay. do you think that comes from? How, how, you know, you, even like 15 years ago when you weren't as experienced as you are now, mm-hmm. where did that having those definite answers come from? I have to, that's going to take me some time to kind of think through. I'm not quite sure. Um, I think my mom isn't, uh, like she's always provided, an, like if something was going wrong, which I mean, thankfully, not a lot went wrong, like, in growing up and whatnot. And I was, if you know me, or if you don't know me now, you're getting to know me. I was goody two-shoes, so, you know, clink, clink, my heels. Um, But the things when I asked her for stuff, she had answers. Or she would point me to where an answer, or she'd be like, go look it up. And so I learned to really help myself and, like, to read and to go look things up. Google's, you know, one of my favorite people. Um, But... She kind of instilled in that. If she didn't have the answer, she would say, go look it up. So she really taught me to go look for answers and go find those things myself. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, I feel like when people, there's there's a part of me that feels like when people come to me with like questions or even if they're life questions and I'm not supposed to answer them, that's where I'm like, oh, you've come to me with a question. I must provide an answer so that I can feel useful and be a part of this. So I think there's some of the like, I want to be useful in this because you've come to me for a reason. And that reason doesn't, what the reason in my mind isn't always the reason that people come to me. Because that's also mm. a pretty good, pretty good, I'm a good listener. Um, I can bounce, like the objective thing sometimes works, like once we get past the initial perhaps emotion or feeling behind something, I found that the objective thing, like people hearing this side and being able to like tussle with that with another person who, whatever issue they're tussling with, it's not at stake with me. 
So hearing like that other side and playing some of those out and like talking it through can be helpful, mm -hmm. but it's just not helpful. The first thing it's, it's almost never helpful. The first thing out of my mouth. Right. So, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm just going to make a statement cause I don't, I think we're both at the point of our lives where we know this mm -hmm. and we have, uh, people we look up to the, to us, uh, look up to that tell us that, uh, you know, our flaws are what makes us beautiful. I think yeah. that's a very common message. So instead of just debating whether it does or doesn't, I just want to talk about that statement. Yeah. And even the things that may be our pitfalls still make us beautiful, which a pitfall is yeah, I was like, tell much me, deeper tell than me a more flaw. About that. But at the same time, uh, here's the thing. I, I guess what makes it ironic is... We constantly need to look at our flaws to become better people, but we can't get rid of all our flaws because then we're all going to be exactly the same. Yeah. Or in, in a relationship, you and your partner are going to be the same people, which is not yeah, a fun relationship. And it's weird. Right? It's weird. And uh, when I view a relationship, uh, since I'm on the topic of intimate relationships, <laughs> I think what makes those relationships succeed is I guess the difference is what are the flaws that you can put up with and embrace mm -hmm. and what are the flaws that actually are the pitfalls of your yeah. personality that just makes it unbearable and actually makes you not a good person or mm -hmm. what someone would might label as you're not a good person yeah is that a question because uh, you know I'm ready for an answer but <laughs> <laughs> uh no I just want to know your thoughts yeah. on the uh, flaws making us beautiful um, I, like, cognitively, like, I believe that, like, my, my left brain is like, yes, that makes sense, because that's what makes us different. It's the right brain of, the, like, the feeling part of, like, okay, like, how does that, how do I, how do I reconcile that for my whole brain? Does that make sense? Yeah, you, <laughs> so, you're looking for... Yeah, like, mine is a, like, cerebral, like... Well, of course, like that's what makes us all unique and that's what helps us connect to other people. Um, but yeah, I, I, we all like you, we have to have that. Um, we have to have those points that help us to me, they, those those messy or the beautiful like I, I sometimes hashtag beautiful mess because I'm like, we have to have that because that makes us real. That makes us people who feel and experience things and not walk around being robots and running into walls and like having no real connection with people. Um, yeah. Well, so, I mean, maybe yeah. to put your mind at ease, uh, so there's a scientific term called entropy. Have you ever heard of that? I have heard the term before. So we have entropy, um, talks about the universe. And naturally, as a universe, uh, if you believe in the Big Bang Theory, when um, the entire Milky Way was just like this ball of dust, very organized, and then exploded, and then we became the Milky Way, all the planets and the Earth. Uh, entropy says that um, as a, a universe, it's natural for organisms to go from organized to least disorganized. Being the most least disorganized is very natural, according to our universe. So I can kind of align that with... Um, least disorganized or least organized? Least organized. So okay, we go from... <laughs> you said least disorganized. I was like, it doesn't... Oh, sorry. Like if I, so I like, sorry, so I didn't mean least disorganized. We go from... The most organized, organized to the least organized. least organized. Okay. Or, okay. Um, you can use the inverse of that. Yeah. If that makes sense. So neat to messy. Okay, that's in my mind. I'm yeah, like, yeah, neat oh, to messy. Right. Neat to messy. So for example, you have a clean room. 
over time, that room is, you know, you're going to have shirts on the ground and bottles tipped over. But... <laughs> what kind of room are you in? Bottles <laughs> tipped over. Okay. Whatever. That was the first thing that came to mind. But you know what I mean? The bed will become undone. That's just very natural for it to go. Like, you can't keep it purely organized the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I say this because I think this is why flaws are important. Naturally, we're going to have flaws. Some are going to go away. Uh, some, we just can't look, they can't go away and, uh, we'll work on them and we'll manage those flaws, but the flaws are what help personalities cling together. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you around that. Is there someone in your life, like think of the, the span of your life that has helped you kind of embrace those flaws and see those flaws as beautiful? A, a specific person? Um, yeah, you don't have to name them, but like maybe... Just talk about like ways that they helped you see those the, the flaws that you have as beautiful or acceptable or part of your personality that mm -hmm. you know you work you work to embrace. Uh, I can name certain people in the different stages of my life, okay. but what is really the most interesting is I can't think of someone before I you know, turn 16, 17, 18. Really? Okay. Because that was the time, like, middle school and high school, like, I feel that that was the time where my flaws were at a peak and I was so self-conscious. And there mm. was really no one around to tell me that those are actually okay and to embrace yourself. And so the flaws that I'm thinking of, they're not flaws, but society tells me they're flaws. It's mm -hmm. like my sexuality, my blackness, my... Um, my unique gender expression, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not masculine, masculine, mm -hmm. but I'm not feminine, you know, I'm somewhere yeah. in between how, at the time, how I dressed. Mm -hmm. There was just so many things, and there was really no one there until I went to college to tell me that those flaws, you should embrace them. That's what makes you you. That was, that's what makes you different. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Because um, I think mine was, I think of the person that, there's lots of people, you know, much like I'm sure you've got people at stages in your life. I think of... Um, I think I got that message probably around like fifth grade, fifth, sixth grade, um, which didn't help me be kind of like more normal, normal, <laughs> how rude of myself, um, more like comfortable with like being a loner and like being like, okay, like I'm not going to go to the party. Number one, I wasn't invited. It's a yeah, big deal. Um, I wanted to be home and like chill at home with like my family and whatnot. Um, but I think of my fifth grade teacher who um, I am still friends with t t today. Um, and just the way she kind of like embraced our whole class and like I think somebody like got really sick in our class like during that year and then we talked about that and I got really sick in the class and I missed I think three weeks three to four weeks in her class mm. um but I just remember how caring she was like with everybody like all the kids in the class like she really cared about every single person and like she made you feel special like, then, you know, the classes were bigger back then, so it was, like, 35 of us. Um, but she made, like, every person was an individual, and she, like, supported every person, like, uniquely. And I could see that, like, I was, like, 9 or 10. And I remember being, like, oh, okay, so, like, we can all be different. Like, and that's okay, because at the time, her name was Miss Gratz. Uh, she's got a new, has had two last names since then. But Miss Gratz sees us all, like, is important, and it's okay, and if she accepts all of us and who, like, how we are, then we're good. So I'm grateful to have had that, like, so early on and to be able to, like, you know, <laughs> quite a number of years later, 
realize and be like, oh, that's where I got some of that like comfort mm-hmm. in like what's like you said, like what society would say is like our flaws or our messy and whatnot. And she was like, that's okay. Like everybody is who they are. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any take home points? Um, be messy, flaw fucked up, and be yourself. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not even kidding. But like, yeah, that's I think that's part of what makes us beautiful, and like, that's what helps us to learn to um, be comfortable in our own skin. And it's a work in progress. So I don't, I have certainly not reached the like epiphany or pinnacle of like being fully comfortable and feeling like this, you know, all the time a beautiful mess and whatever. But um, it is a, it's something that I have to remind myself. So conversations like this are helpful for me to think like, okay, like this is what makes me me. This is what attracts kind of that energy thing that you were talking about. Like, I love that. So I'll certainly spend some more time thinking about that. And because I'm a little nerdy, I'll probably find some articles and read about like, you know, energy and like how that, how that plays into like my humanness and connection with mm-hmm. other people. Um, you, sir. Yeah. I think a take home point, it's more of just, I have to put this out there. So there was just a lot of issues when people, uh, when Beyonce came out with the song Flawless and the whole mm. concept of mm-hmm. I woke up like this. I'm going to turn this into a take home point. Um, I, I definitely think, and I, uh, the people who spoke up about this the most um, were women because it was a song alluding mm-hmm. to feminism. Um, my take on that, and I still live by it, is, um, so the title of the song is Asterisk, Asterisk, Asterisk. Flawless, and the three asterisks rem, uh, represent the three stars that she got when she was part of the girl group, Girls Time, mm-hmm. um, and they lost. I just like we what we said before is I think, uh, you know, when you take the word flawless by itself, it, it evokes perfection, and no one's perfect. It's like, oh, uh, who mm-hmm. do you think you are? But it's 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 really saying that I'm ta- I'm saying that my flaws are flawless. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't have flaws. Yeah. I'm not you, I'm not taking this term literally. When I say I woke up like this, mm. I woke up with no makeup on my face, my hair's like this, I'm, you know, I'm loud. I woke up like this and I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to get out of bed and I'm not going to pretend who I'm going to be mm-hmm. or, or pretend to be someone else to the rest of the world. That's how I interpret that song and you know, with everything that we talked about, it's just uh, walking through this through this world and each day owning your flaws but also not forgetting that they're there because mm-hmm. sometimes they're going to affect how you work how you relate to people and all of that but it's just about managing your flaws but not completely obliterating them to the point where you're a robot mm-hmm. I love it I'm here for it alright yay alright let's take a break And we're back. So we're here for uh, Ask a Boss. So remember, if you have any questions for us, uh, please email us at um, headbosspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, Shamina, what do you have for us this week? So we got a question from an awesome uh, listener, Ingrid. Um, So it's kind of a long question, but it'll give some context in the questions at the end. So this is Dear Shamina and Paul. Uh, This question is about supporting a staff member with a disability who I supervise, um, but the disability causes her to miss a lot of work. Um, 
and there's some uncertainty about how to support the staff member when uh, there's work not being done based on you know this chronic illness. So here's a tinge of background. So this person has uh, fibromyalgia, and the symptoms are unpredictable, and there hasn't been like a consistent treatment plan that's been found just yet. While although the person's under like medical care, okay. So here's a bit of the context. Uh, she's worked for me. Ingrid says she's worked for me since being. Um, a new professional and has been reliable and a great contributor in the past. Um, Ingrid had hoped that she would gain more skill and take on more responsibility aligned with this person's career goals. Um, but Ingrid is concerned that uh, she's been kind of unreliable and unable to comp accomplish goals while dealing and kind of trying to figure out how to manage this uh, chronic illness. Um, the staff member is not able to meet deadlines consistently or show up for her colleagues um, to support projects. Um, it's kind of been seemingly a barrier to her success. Um, Ingrid doesn't want to be insensitive and has been flexible so far, but realizes that she's taking on some of the tasks so that things like the work isn't, you know, uh, not being done because the staff member is not there. So that makes sense. Yeah. So here's the question. Um, what are our thoughts on providing support for a staff member with a disability while at the same time ensuring words, that work gets done and then helping the staff member pursue a career? Wow. Um, and she says, thanks, bosses. Love the podcast. All right. Thanks, Ingrid. So thanks. Let's, let's take a stab at it. This is kind of a tough one. I know. So, but I thought it might be helpful to, like, just to think it through. Um, I'm like rolling up my sleeves, right? like testing our chops. And okay. I'm going to try not to give answers, you know, in terms of right. that. But like maybe uh, some options, tools. Yeah. Some tools. Okay. So my first question is, what is, did she explain what fibromyalgia is? No, I, and I don't know what it is, but it seems to be impactful enough. Um, so it's a chronic illness. I know that. Um, and it's unpredictable in terms of how it's, it's how and when its symptoms show up. Um, so it seems like it can be somewhat debilitating if it's stopping the employee from like completing tasks and assignments. Right. But the unpredictable nature of it is, I think, the seemingly one of the tough parts to manage. Because if you don't right. know, like if, an, if let's call it an episode, we don't know if a, a fibromyalgic episode is going to happen, and it buttresses up against like getting work done and productivity. Right. Like how do you manage that? See, the reason why I asked is that uh, automatically my head's going into like HR, like yeah, as mine is you know, too. making sure we are ADA um, yeah. compliant and not discriminating. The reason I ask is there are some disabilities where it will only affect certain pieces of work, and mm -hmm. so when it comes to evaluation, you know that if the performance is falling in these categories that are really not directly linked to. Um, that disability, then you know that you're just focusing on the work and you're not focusing on the disability. Mm -hmm. But it seems that this chronic illness is affecting many different pieces, so it's hard to partition that. Yeah. So, um, all right. Oh, I'm still processing. How about okay. you give your first thoughts? Well, my mind also, like having done HR work, it, it rolls immediately into the HR. Like, does this person, has this person met or connected with HR to, excuse me, um, request any sort of reasonable accommodation. So most workplaces, like almost all workplaces have an HR. And typically there's someone who can assist in making sure that the workplace is um, uh, set up to be supportive of a person who experiences 
um, a chronic illness, uh, a chronic illness specifically in this situation. So I would encourage the person to check in with human resources to see like what options and who or who you can refer this staff member to because you, while you want to be supportive as a supervisor, there's still an operational need that needs to be met. Um, I think there's going to be have to have to be an honest conversation with the, the staff member, but I would check in with your HR first to see what kind of conversation you can have. And if it's a, you know, based on what I've seen as so I'm Ingrid, based on what I've seen as a supervisor, I think it's going to be helpful for you, for me to refer you to human resources so that we can figure out what's going to be workable and manageable given what I've seen you experience and how the um, the impact on like work the work assignments and deadlines and whatnot. So I would certainly take my cue from HR um, before probably even addressing that with a staff member. Because what you don't want to do is step right in and be like, so first of all, it's none of it's none of my business. If I'm angry, it's none of my business. I'm assuming that uh, the staff member is closed that she has fib disclosed um, on her own that she has fibromyalgia. Um, I as a supervisor. It's not necessarily my role to make the accommodations because then I'm treating every accommodations on my own without the consultation of human resources because I'm treating her differently and having a different expectation than everyone else. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think the the key thing here for me is like consulting with human resources to see what type of conversation can be had or what referral can you make. Um, but you still at this point need to hold that staff member accountable if there's no agreement of like what accommodation looks like and what it doesn't look like. I think too, if uh, you do consult with HR, uh, I keep going back to that performance because there is a piece of the question where things are, you know, consistently late um, mm -hmm. and, you know, not showing up for colleagues. Um, I think there would be a time where you, the employee and HR would set up some sort of work plan. Absolutely. Um, a work plan so that you know as a supervisor how to properly evaluate the employee every year. Mm -hmm. In addition to how to create an environment where your your employee's fellow colleagues are not constantly disappointed or they think you're giving this employee special treatment. Mm -hmm. um, all of that would be incorporated into the work plan or a contingency plan, if, yeah. so to speak, in terms of what-if scenarios. Um, because... I can imagine, too, from the employee standpoint is they don't want to constantly be work, constantly be working with special exceptions. They want to um, move through society just like everyone else and mm -hmm. be evaluated just like everyone else. And if they did a stellar job, they want to know they did a stellar job because of their status as an employee, not because of their disability. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think HR can really help facilitate that conversation. Uh, I think HR will definitely give you an option to facilitate it by yourself, but that's only after you speak with them first for all the options and the resources that they can provide. Mm -hmm. What I have seen before and what I might suggest that Ingrid um, tries to engage with the human resources is do the initial consultation. And I, I speak from experience of having done this with staff members before. Like I went to human resources and had the conversation and said, this is what a staff member came to me with. Like, I don't know all the details or how it plays out. Like, what's the next best course of action? And human resources then turned around and said, well, refer this person to us um, and put that in writing. 
and give them, you know, this person's name and number, whatever. Um, and then it's up to the employee to then make the connection, schedule the meeting and whatnot, because you've provided the resource and the employee needs to do their part to do that. And then what happened on the inside of that, because I, as a supervisor, I don't need to know all the diagnosis and all the stuff that I, that's none of my business. Um, that's between you and like a trained professional. Like for us, it was a disability specialist. Um, and then on the flip side, I then had a conversation with the disability, so disability specialists, i.e. HR, about like what the accommodations that this person needs and if I'm able in my office to reasonably accommodate and provide those accommodations. Right. Um, so it has to be reasonable, but I don't get to define what reasonable is, if that makes sense. Right. Um... So, and then after that, there was a conversation with the three of us around this is the agreement that is supported by human resources and now the three of us need to sign off on it. If there are issues that come up with this, those need to be brought to like the third party more or less. So it's not becoming like a, he said, she said, and they're going back and forth, but let's pull in the third person because this is um, a more sensitive topic than uh, probably is going to be helpful for just the, the supervisor and the employee to work through. And it's got to be documented. So. Oh yeah, definitely document everything. Uh, the, I just want to stress the point that uh, all of this has to be employee initiated. Mm -hmm. It's your role as a supervisor to inform HR, but after you do that, you just got to step away and let the employee make the decision. And the, th the unfortunate side of this is there could be a situation where the employee chooses they don't mm -hmm. want to talk to HR. Yeah. And then you got to figure out, ooh. <laughs> well, and, and I think if the employee to... chooses not to talk to HR, then the employee gets like, the equitable treatment across the board. Right, but like, you document that yes, so that they yes. don't come back to you and say, well, yeah. I That's why the referral has to happen in writing. Like, mm -hmm. you can talk about it, sure, but then refer, like, on the same time, like, based on my conversation with HR or human resources or whatever the office is called, uh, I recommend that you, blue, blah, 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 you know, human resources is expecting to hear from you. Yeah, and then <laughs> and it's you, done and... yeah. Um, you don't have to worry about getting sued or anything. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it has to be, like, formal in this way. There's not a, like, I want to, like, be really sent Like, you can be sensitive, obviously, and be caring and compassionate in the conversation. Um, and y this is one of those things you need to go by the, like, the standards of human resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hey, That was a good question. I know, I right? Get it, Ingrid. Yes. So. so remember to email us your questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. You can even leave comments and questions on our SoundCloud. Uh, we will always check that. So um, let's take a break and then move on. And we're back for Boss Ass Bitch and Bitch Ass Boss of the Week. And I'm feeling pretty um, positive this week. So I'm going to do my Boss Ass Bitch. And it goes out to the cast of Hamilton, the broad original Broadway cast. Mm. Um, if you've probably heard, uh, our VP-elect Mike Pence was in the audience watching the show. I think this was, yeah, this was definitely before Thanksgiving. And at the end of the show, he was about to walk out with, I think he was with his wife, and uh, the cast stopped him 
um, say, hey, no, no, we actually have something to say. We want to, um, we want you to hear this message. You know, we had a, a, a guest in the audience this evening. And Vice President-elect Pence, I see you walking out, but I hope you will hear us just a few more moments. There's nothing to move here, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing to move here. We're all here sharing a story of love. We have a, we have a message for you, sir. We hope that you will hear us out. And I encourage everybody to pull out your phones and tweet and post, because this message needs to be spread far and wide, okay? Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you and we truly thank you for joining us here at Hamilton and American Musical. We really do. We, sir, we are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us. Our planet, our children, our parents, or defend us and uphold our inalienable rights, sir. But we truly hope that this show has inspired you to uphold our American values and to work on behalf of all of us. All of us. Again, we truly thank you for sharing this show, this wonderful American story told by a diverse group of men and women of different colors, creeds, and all. I'm giving them a boss ass bitch word. Uh, you know, we will let you hear um, what they said. What they said, but. They, well, first of all, they said it in the most respectful, polite way. I will call out the people, and I'm one of them, who've been loud and really, like, <laughs> mean to people who voted for, you know, Ivanka's dad and who represent the Republican Party. I get it. There's a reason to be angry. But I respect them so much for being celebrities and using their platform to speak a very calm, respectful message. They didn't say anything that um, was poking fun, right? They wanted him to hear it and mm -hmm. everyone who stands behind him to hear it, but they said it in such an eloquent way. Um, and they, they made the message about how they just care about their livelihood and being alive and that we hope you don't forget us. They said something along those lines. Mm -hmm. We hope you don't forget us and that you watch out for us when you start this term. That's all we were saying. But of course... All, you know, all the people out there had to say something really stupid about the cast and, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to protest Hamilton. I'm like, fine, I need the tickets. Give me a seat. <laughs> if you don't want to see it, there are plenty of people who want your tickets. So go ahead and protest. The show's still going to run. Right. So, yeah, just uh, that's my boss ass bitch award. I, I definitely want to exemplify myself after them and continue to speak in a way that's respectful to everyone, to, even if they have opposing views. Nice. Um, so my, um, I have a boss's bitch as well. Um, this has been a pretty good week. Um, I want to give my acknowledgement to, her name is Yvonne Orgy. I think is how, like, the fancy way to say it. Like, if you look at it, it looks like Yvonne Orgy. Um, but she plays Molly on the hit show on HBC, HBO, um, Insecure. Um, so I recently love the show. If you haven't checked it out, um, check it out on HBO. If you don't have HBO, you can get the app, the, I think the download the HBO go for free. Um, look on Twitter or we'll put, maybe put the link in the comments section or the section on SoundCloud so that you can figure out a way to watch it for free. Cause you can watch it for free and binge, binge watch. Um, I think it's eight episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, really good start to finish. Um, no concerns, no complaints, but she is just, uh, she did an article, or not an article, an interview on The Breakfast Club on YouTube that was really good. She is, I think, 32, year old, 32 years old. She's a comedian, but plays um, on Insecure, plays a serious actress. 
Um, and in the spirit of kind of looking at talking about flaws and things like that, I think she's a great example of um, not only does she slay like the way that she looks, her hair has been beat the last few episodes. Um, and right. Um, and she's funny. She is smart. She, um, I think she has a bachelor's and a master's degree from what I recall hearing. Yeah. Um, and she plays the character really, really well. Um, she also is like and looks very much like Tony Childs from Girlfriends, one of my favorite shows that I wish would come back or at least come on like Hulu or Netflix. Um, but yeah, I just want to shout out to um, a brown woman that we haven't seen on the screen um, and representing uh, what she represents as an attorney, but was still with a little bit of hood in her um, and code switches very nicely and eases in and out of that. So just really want to shout her out and give her my boss ass bitch for the week. I'm looking forward to seeing her in season two of Insecure because they got uh, renewed for a second season. So it'll be great to see kind of how her character further develops. So, yeah. Great. Yeah, that was a wonderful description of my dear Yvonne or Molly. Uh, so yeah, that ends our another week of Head Boss in Charge. Uh, please, please, please follow us on our different social media platforms on Facebook by searching for Head Boss in Charge. You can also find us on Twitter at our handle, which is Head Boss Pod. That's P-O-D. And we're also um, on uh, SoundCloud, so make sure to comment, leave us uh, questions, engage with us. Uh, we're also on iTunes, so if you subscribe to us on iTunes, please, please, please leave us a review, give us ratings, so we can see how we're doing and spread the, the gospel of Head Boss yeah. in Charge. Right? <laughs> so um, that's all we have for you, um, for you this week. So. Keep bossing, and we'll see you next time. All right, he's out. Fresh out of jail, already in your Got a fresh line up, get fresh outfit. About to have a parking lot on smash. Plus, I got a seven with a four, fifty-four in the hood. Got one twenty-five.